Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. privilege and an honor to stand before you again. Anytime that uh, we get to share the word, it's exciting and it is an honor to have this privilege. God is so good to us that he gave us his word because he didn't want us wandering around in the dark. I just, I just appreciate that. You know, he could have just sent Jesus and we get saved and then we have to and say, figure it out. He didn't do that to us. He gave us his word. And so he's already got it figured out. We just need to align ourselves with him. So, Father, thank you again for your presence here. And we thank you for the richness of your word. I pray, Father, that you would cause me to say things I didn't plan to say as I yield myself to you. Open our ears to hear our eyes to see. And Father, I ask that you would take this word and send it tailor-made straight to each heart. What one hears, another may not. But what the other may hear, the first may not. But I thank you, Father, that you are able to make us hear what we need to hear tonight. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Um, I'm sure you all remember last time exactly what I preached. But, uh, we, well, we talked about preaching the kingdom because that's what Jesus did. And he preached righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Those are some of the hallmarks of the kingdom. And I think another hallmark of the kingdom, you know, we preach the kingdom more, or we should preach the kingdom more by how we live than necessarily by what we say to people. And so one of the things that I, I think we've been lacking in, and once I decided this was a direction, it just seems like everywhere I've gone this week, this is exactly what I've heard. We've been lacking as a body in Christ in unity. Amen. And how are people going to believe the kingdom if we can't get along ourselves, if we don't walk in unity? And the Bible has a lot to say about unity. And you probably got a clue last time I use a lot of scripture. So, but you can't, you've got, if I can't back up what I'm saying with scripture, then you don't need to listen to it. So that's, that's the test. In Psalm 133, the writer said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. That's where he commanded the blessing. I think it's very important to God that his children get along. You know, as parents, we want our kids to get along. I know I'm overboard. I get upset if my dogs don't get along with each other. You know, every once in a while, one of them will get a little chip on his shoulder. Well, 
I don't like that. How much more would God not like it when his kids don't get along? Jesus said in Mark 3, if a house is divided, split into factions, rebelling, if it's divided against itself, that house will not be able to last. I know a lot of times we credit that a house divided won't stand. Uh, we credit that to the uh, early people in this nation, but they got it from Jesus. A house divided can't stand. Now, unity is important, but it doesn't mean that we are going to be in lockstep with no individual thoughts, no individual ideas. That's not what God wants. If that's what he wanted, he would have made a bunch of robots. He wants us to have our individual personalities, but he wants us to work together for a common purpose and a common goal. That's what's important, working together for the kingdom. And we find examples very early in the Bible about what can happen with unity. If we look in Genesis 11, we all know this story, but I think it won't hurt us to look at it again. It says, the whole earth was of one language and one accent, so everybody could understand each other. You know how sometimes we have a hard time understanding people in Louisiana if we're not from Louisiana. (laughs) One accent and mode of expression. And as they journeyed eastward, they found a valley in the land of Shinar, and they settled and dwelt there. And they said one to another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. So they had bricks of stone and slime for mortar. And they said, come, let us build a city and a tower whose top reaches to the sky. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered over the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they're one people. They have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And now nothing that they have imagined that they can do will be impossible for them. Let us go down, therefore, and confound. Let's mix up and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from the place upon the face of the whole earth, and they gave up building the city. Notice God didn't say it was impossible for them to do what they wanted. He said the contrary. Nothing that they have imagined that they can do will be impossible because they were communicating and they were working for a common goal. Now, unity can be good or it can be bad. In this case, it was for evil purposes. That's why God confused the language, because he, they would no longer effectively be able to build that tower. What they wanted was to be gods. You know, this was uh, Satan's trick. Let us reach to the heavens. In other words, they're saying, then we'll be like gods. What was it that he tempted Adam and Eve with? If you eat the fruit, you'll be like God. And so many times today, that's exactly where people are. They, don't, they wouldn't say that, but they want to be their own God. They want to make all their own decisions. They want to make all their own plans. They want to be their own God. And the world system is working in unity to try to convince people that they can do that. But we have an inside story. We know that they are not going to be successful. 
It may appear like it for a while, but they will not be successful. God has already stated that their end is coming. But we don't want to walk like they walk. We want to be in unity for God's purposes, not for the enemy's purposes. You know, uh, Satan saw what happened, and he learned a lesson. He doesn't have anything new. Everything he does, he's learned from watching what God does. Have you noticed that everything he does is a counterfeit? Everything he does is a counterfeit. He learned that if he can keep people from communicating effectively, they'll never accomplish what they otherwise could accomplish. The Tower of Babel was Satan's attempt for a unity that will only come through the Lord Jesus Christ. That unity can only come through him. God wants us united. John, uh, and Jesus said in John 17, Neither for these alone do I pray. It's not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all of those who will ever come to believe in them, on me through their word and teaching. That's you. Jesus was praying for you that night. Jesus was praying for me that night. Anybody that would come to believe on him through the words of the disciples, which we have from the word, that's who he was praying for. His prayer was that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe and be convinced that you sent me. So what's going to cause them to believe and be convinced? Unity. And we have done a poor job of displaying that unity in the body of Christ. And I love this. Jesus says, I've given to them the glory and the honor which you've given me, that they may be one even as we are one. He's not afraid to share that glory with us. You know, everybody says, God's not going to share his glory with another. We're not another. We're one with him. So he wants to share his glory with us, but we need to be one with him. We need to consciously be united with him. Maybe that's why we haven't seen the church walk in the level of glory that we want to see the church walk in. Maybe that's why we haven't seen the works that Jesus promised that we would see because we're splintered and we're scattered and I believe he's calling us to an awareness. I understand it's not going to be everybody that professes to be a Christian. But there is a remnant that will be unified. And I want to be part of that remnant that's unified. Glory to God. Well, he says, I've given them the glory and the honor which you've given me that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me in order that they may become one and perfectly united that the world may know and definitely recognize that you sent me and that you've loved them even as you've loved me. That's a revelation we all need, that he loves us just as much, just the same as he loves Jesus. You know, and it's, if this is God's plan, how the world's going to know Jesus, know that God sent him, then the enemy's going to do everything he can to thwart it. Because he heard, he knows the word better than we do sometimes. But that's why he's working so hard to create factions within the church, 
why he's working so hard against families to keep families uh, ununited. Disunity in the family. You're not going to have strong churches if you don't have strong families. God wants strong families. His body is his family. Paul had to deal with this in the early days of the church. If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul said, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Well, how are we going to be united in thought? The only way I know to be united in thought is to think the word. Renew our minds so that our thoughts line up with the word. And if our thoughts individually are lining up with the word, then our thoughts collectively are going to be united because the word is united. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, well, I'm a follower of Paul. And others are saying, well, I follow Apollos. Or I follow Peter. Or I only follow Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. So early on, they started having these little splinter groups. Did did any of that sound like stuff you hear today? Well, I like elevation. But I like Bethel. But I like Hillsong. Or I like Ramah. I like Brother Hagen. Or I like McCarthy, MacArthur. It's... How about we... Take what we can from each group as they follow Jesus and we stay united instead of trying to figure out reasons we should be separated. We start looking for reasons why we can flow together. Glory to God. You know, it's through the ages. Catholics versus Protestants. How many wars have been fought over Catholics between the Catholics and the Protestants? Baptists and the Pentecostals. You know, that's not Jesus' plan. Ephesians 4 tells us what his plan was. It says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. See, when we're not in unity, we're acting like spoiled kids. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Notice unity was mentioned in that portion of Scripture. When you start seeing it, 
when it's brought to light, you start seeing it all over the place because it's important to God. He doesn't want his body splintered and fractured. And if we're going to take our place and we're going to do our part to create unity, we must examine ourselves and not others. It's a whole lot easier to examine somebody else, what they're doing or what they're not doing. But we need to examine our own motives. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we saying what we're saying? Is it to honor Jesus, to bring glory to our Father, or is it so that we can be seen? Or is it just so we can get another notch in our belt? Oh, I got somebody else saved. That's great. I'm not saying that's not a good thing. Are you, but why, why are you doing it? Because you love them? Because you love Jesus? Because you want to build up the church? Or just because you want to say, I led 20 people to the Lord last week? God's not impressed with that, if that's your motivation. I mean, he's glad you're getting people saved, but when we stand, you know, we don't have to face the great white throne judgment, but we do stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bama seat. It's the reward seat. And at that point, God is going to look at what we've done, but his emphasis is going to be more on why did you do what you did rather than what did you actually do? He's looking at our motivations. Did you do what you did out of love or so that you could be seen? Our motivations are very important. And we've got to be careful that we don't project onto other people. You know, a lot of times when we start accusing people of having wrong motives, we're really projecting our own wrong motives. If you stop and examine yourself, I think you'll see that that's a lot of times what we're doing. We assume that they're thinking like maybe we would think if we were in that situation. So we can't judge somebody else's motives. They may be doing the best they know how to do with what they've been given. Um, I've often said a lot of people spend their whole life in the Lord trying to get to the place where some of us started because we were more fortunate than others. So we don't want to judge other people and what they're doing because we don't know the backstory. We really don't. Um, and if we learn to judge ourselves, why are we thinking what we're thinking? Why are we doing what we're thinking? When we get to the judgment seat of Christ, all of that bad stuff's gone. Because we've already taken care of it. We've already judged it ourselves, repented of it, and it's under the blood and it won't be brought up again. So that's why it's important that we judge ourselves. We want to walk in unity of faith. So what is that? You know, there's lots of things we could say about unity of the faith. But when we're talking about getting together, like National Day of Prayer tomorrow, there will be several different denominations represented. Doctrinally, we don't all agree. We, we listen to different, different preachers. Uh, we read after different, uh, different preachers. But there are some things that we can agree on. And one of the things that we need to be able to agree on is acknowledging the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and receiving him as Lord of your life. That's primary. You can't really be in unity of faith if you haven't made that decision, that you're going to receive Jesus as Lord. 
I think a second thing that's so important is that we walk in love and the Word. If you don't balance your love walk with the Word, you're, you're easily taken advantage of. You lean more towards that uh, emotional pull, that feeling. And love is not always an emotion. Sometimes it has to be very, very tough. Um, you know, when you're raising kids, you love them all the time, but sometimes you have to be really tough with them. The Word is not always easy on our flesh. So we need to walk in love, but we need to walk in love and the Word of God because that's not going to pamper us. It's going to say, grow up. Um, and And... Another very important thing is that we get our marching orders from him every day. Acknowledging him every morning, inviting him to direct our paths, to get involved with every aspect, not to agonize over every decision that we make, but if we get up in the morning and say, Lord, I trust that you're here to help me today. I yield to you. I ask you to interrupt me if I need to be interrupted and changed course We've just invited him to help. And James says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have those things that we ask. And we know it's his will to get involved because Proverbs says, In all your ways, recognize, know, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. So it's his will to get involved. I like Proverbs 16. It says, "Roll, oh man, did I, did I rely on this one a lot when I was home for three years by myself saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What, what, what's my purpose in life now? You know, I'm no longer teaching school. I'm no longer pastoring a church. I'm no longer a wife. What do you want me to do? And this scripture was just highlighted to me. Roll your works, or we could say your cares, Upon the Lord, commit and trust them wholly to him, and he will cause, I love this, he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will, and so shall your plans be established and succeed. We start out each day asking for his input. He causes our thoughts to be agreeable to his will. Isn't that what we want? And that's what it's going to take for us to walk in unity. So start your day here and expect him to guide you. If, he, if, he's, if it's in his words, you know it's his will. If we ask according to his will, we have those petitions that we desired. James said, if you ask him, ask in faith. Don't waver. Just expect him to show up and keep you. Even when things don't look good, expect that he's right there with you and he's going to navigate you through those tricky situations because you have yielded yourself to him. That's walking in faith. It's just naturally supernatural. That's really the kind of life we should lead, a naturally supernatural life. Other people may not even recognize the supernatural part of it, but it's pretty supernatural for God to lead us. I mean, that's awesome. That's just awesome. We have to remember, too, for unity in the faith, that each of us has a unique function and a unique place in the body. I'm not called to do what 
Doug is called to do or what Eileen's called to do. They're not called to do what I'm called to do or what Pastor Andrew and Pastor Caitlin are called to do. We all have a unique position in the body of Christ. There are different congregations. You know, now my little town of Lindale has how many? I mean, we've got 5,000 people and I think there's 19 or 20 churches and 15 of them are Baptist churches. <laughs> you know, there's different congregations in every town. They should each be there, placed there under the operation of the head and have a different assignment to complete so that this, that particular city will be in unity in making Jesus known in that city. We all have things we all do alike, but there may be one church, one congregation that, that their specific call is to feed the poor. There may be another church in, in town and their, their specific call is to be a teaching church, to, to bring in people, to grow them up and to send them out so that there will, they will reproduce in the world. When the churches aren't meant to be clones of each other, and we individually are not meant to be clones of each other. And we really need to watch that we don't get in competition. And that's a difficult thing. Um, I know, having been a pastor, that that can be a, a difficult uh, thing to not get in competition. Not to feel like you're not as good because you're not growing like that church grows. That may not be your call. You know, not to individually, not to feel like you're less because you don't understand what somebody else understands. They may need it for their call. Well, you don't. God equips us individually. We can't start wanting somebody else's assignment because God's not going to equip you for somebody else's assignment. He's going to equip you for your assignment. And when we each walk in our own assignment, then we can be in unity because we're not trying to do what somebody else is called to do. And we're not coveting what they're, what they're doing. And, you know, looking at what's, it, it may look all nice and fun, you know, standing up here and, and bringing the word every Sunday in front of people. That may look like a lot of fun, but you don't see what's underneath. You know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Keep your pastors in prayer. They need your prayers. I know, because I was, I was in that situation, you know. They need your prayers. Things are not always the way they seem. I would encourage us all to be sure that we find the place that God wants us to be, because that's where you can grow. We want to know where he wants us planted. Too many Christians are potted Christians. You know, you can move a potted plant very easily. It's very difficult for a plant that has planted into the ground that has roots to be moved. I had to pull up some azaleas a couple of years ago. Man, those roots. It took me three hours apiece to get those azaleas up because the roots had gone so deep and they had spread so far. That wouldn't have happened if I'd had them in a pot. Christians need to be planted, not potted. And you know, I we don't really like, I don't, this isn't a fun thing, but where God wants you may, may not necessarily be the place that's most comfortable. 
And I can just about guarantee that you're not going to see eye to eye on every situation and every detail of the church operation. You're not going to see eye to eye with the pastors or with anybody else. You know, when you don't, pray for your leaders. If they're wrong, trust God to change them. If you're wrong, heaven forbid, (laughs) trust God to change you. And whether you're in agreement or not, pray for your leaders. They need it. We want to be sure that we are planted where we need to be. If we're not in agreement, keep your mouth shut, please. Don't go telling people all your grievances because that just stirs up strife. Talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. He'll either change them or you. And um, a lot of times it's you. (laughs) I found that in my, you know, husbands and wives, have you found that to be true? You know, and if, you, if, if you're having a hard time, if nothing else, if you're not in agreement, stay in neutral. I heard that advice years ago, and I thought that's some of the best advice that I ever heard. If you can't get into agreement, just stay in neutral. Because in neutral, you know, like a car's in neutral, it can still be moved. But if you have put the brakes on, it's not going anywhere. You don't want to be the one that's creating a drag on the congregation to keep it from fulfilling the plan that God has for it. We need unity in our families. I already said that, but we need that more today than we ever have before because there is an all-out assault on the family. The enemy wants them broken up. And here especially, communication is key. Communication's key everywhere, but in the, it starts in the family. And communication doesn't just mean talking all the time. Talking is not necessarily communication. And have you noticed men and women don't think alike? <laughs> I know that's a shock. But, uh, you know, we're not supposed to. And even... We've got our basic needs of air, food, and water, but women's needs and men's needs past that are not the same. And it's not because one gender's weird and the other's not. It's because God made us that way so that we could complete each other and out of two have unity. Doesn't mean we're going to always agree and we're not always going to be in lockstep, but we can be in unity because we're working for a common purpose and a common goal. And God doesn't want us, I mean, if you can't agree on something, it is important, especially in the home, when you have children, present a united front. But we want more than just a united front. We want to actually be united. Families, I know there's not that many here, but a few, maybe somebody's watching online If you can't agree on how to discipline your kids, please do not argue about it in front of your kids. You need to present a united front in front of your children because they want that security of knowing that you've got their back. They may fuss and gripe and complain, but they want their security in knowing that mom and dad are in agreement 
So be present a united front until, but still strive to get to that point where you're really united and you're really in agreement. Whether you're talking about discipline for the kids, how you spend your money, uh, whatever may come up in the marriage situation. If we look back at the Tower of Babel, remember communication was disrupted and confusion resulted. We need to be aware that there are everywhere, there are demonic spirits that are just waiting to twist your words. They come out of your mouth and they get twisted before they get to the hearer's ears. And what they hear is nothing like what you said because things get twisted. It's important to stop right there and say, did you really say this? We, <laughs> this happens to us all the time, but it's because his, his hearing aids are not working right. And I'll say something and he'll say, what did you say? This is what I heard. And then we're rolling on the floor laughing because it was just so opposite what came out of my mouth. But that's a funny example. But that happens in homes all the time. What comes out of the wife's mouth is not what the husband hears or what comes out of his mouth is not what the wife hears because we have filters that we're hearing everything through. So that's the point to stop and not get mad but say, this is what I heard. Was I correct? And if, if, if we'll learn to do that, that, that will just stave off a lot of miscommunication right there because you stop it before it has a chance to get started. James 3 and James 3, 6, 16, it says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that's from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated. It's full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. We want to be sure there's not strife in our homes because when there's strife in our homes we have practically opened the door and say devil come in and do whatever it is you want to do when there's strife in the church we're saying here mr devil you can come in and you gotta you you were invited official invite we got to stop that we're living in the last days. We've, we've, we've got to make it our goal to be united. Yes, and we keep strife out. We have to keep strife out. We can't wear our feelings on our sleeves. We, we wanted somebody says something that sounds horrible. Just assume they were having a bad day and they really didn't mean it. That's what love does. Love believes the best of every person. You know, in, in the home, learn to communicate. That doesn't mean airing every gripe. That doesn't mean every time you get your feelings hurt, you got to talk it out, talk it out, talk it out. Learn to communicate and grow up. Don't let your feelings be hurt all the time. It's, he, he expects us to grow up. When we're, talking, when we're thinking about communication, when we're asking God for wisdom and communication, he may say, be quiet and listen. Sometimes that's hard for some of us. He may say, just, just let it go. Just let it go. I'll take care of it. 
Trust him to take care of it. Trust him to take care of it because he can and he will. I learned uh, Ed was, he always said he would have been a good lawyer and he probably would have because he could argue with anybody. He could take anything you said and twist it around. This was the old Ed before he really let Jesus come and change his heart. But I learned back in those early days, just be quiet. Don't argue with him. And that, it worked out to my advantage because then he'd really feel like a dog when he finally came to himself, his senses. Sometimes you don't need to argue about everything. You don't need to voice everything you're thinking. We need to listen to the Holy Ghost and say what he says. We have to be willing to communicate when it's appropriate. And sometimes that's difficult because, especially in the home situation, but, but even in a church situation or at work, you know, we don't, we don't like exposing ourselves. We don't like making ourselves vulnerable. And to truly communicate, sometimes you have to make yourself vulnerable. But the rewards will be well worth it. It's not easy, but it's necessary if we want to walk together as one, whether we're talking about our families, our friends, or within the church. So to wrap it up, if we look back at Psalm 133, we see that God commanded the blessing where there was unity. So it's very important. I want the blessing on my home. I want the blessing on our church. I want there to be unity. Jesus prayed that we would all be one, and I think he gets his prayers answered. We haven't seen it yet, but there's, there's a, a day. I want to be part of that remnant that is one in him. So let's just resolve to do our part in contributing to that unity, whether we're talking about our homes, our workplaces, or our local body. You have to be born again. You have to walk in love and walk in the word. And receive your marching orders, orders daily from the head. That's, those are some of the steps we can take. And now those will be things that will help us to preach the kingdom by our example. Glory to God. Well, Father, I just thank you so much for your presence, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to correct us. Your word corrects us. Your word shows us how much you love us. Help us to take any, anything that was spoken tonight that we need to take to heart and changes that we might need to make, Father, individually or corporately. Help us to recognize those changes and give us the strength and the stamina by the Holy Spirit to take the steps that are necessary for us to each individually do our part that we may corporately walk in unity. We trust you, Father, to show us how to do it. And we thank you for your presence as we go from this place. Father, as we gather together tomorrow for National Day of Prayer across the face of this nation, I pray that we will step into a new place of unity in you that this nation has never seen before. We thank you, Father. That is your will. Help us to lay aside our petty grievances, our differences, 
and to take up arms with our brothers and sisters against the kingdom of darkness, that we would no longer give place to him, but we would shut him out because we walk with our brothers and sisters and we have their backs. And we thank you for it, Father, in the name that's above every name, the name by which we are called. We're so grateful for that name, the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our glorious Lord. Amen and amen. Yeah, everyone just give a hand to Pastor Becky. There's so much wisdom and um, all the things, all the fruits of the Spirit. You guys know them. Um, But yeah, we're just so honored to have her here and to have the revelations that she has and to to give an, to have the opportunity to share it with us in the church and um, we're just so honored for her. So you guys, um, if you need to stick around, if you need to receive prayer for anything, um, everyone here loves to pray. So just find somebody to pray with on your way out. Say hi to somebody you don't know. Um, we'll see you Sunday. So let's go love God, love people, and lead well. Thank you. <laughs>